Welcome again. We are in week two of our Christmas series called The King Has Come. And I want to start off today a little different than normal. I want to give you some uh, definitions of a couple words that we use a lot in church and we use a lot in uh, Christmas time. Um, and so let me just share a couple words with you. The first one is uh, gospel. And the word gospel, we've talked about this before this year, the word gospel literally means good news. And um, the way that this word came about or the way that this word was used in ancient times, certainly in, um, in Israel and around, was that when a messenger was sent from the battle lines to go back to the city or to the king to tell them that the battle had been won, right? They couldn't pick up their cell phone. You remember, and some of you don't remember a time when you didn't have a cell phone. But back in the day, they used to have to talk to people face to face. And so they'd get on a horse or whatever, they'd ride back to the city, and they would tell them the good news that the battle had been won. And the news that they were bringing was called the gospel. So when that person came back to town, congratulate uh, everybody, the, the battle has been won. That good news, the word that they used was the word that we use for gospel, which I think is kind of Cool. Now, the second word that I want to talk about um, is uh, a word, the angel, the word for angel. And so the word angel is a, is a, it's a Greek word translated from Hebrew that means messenger. Okay, so get this. Um, a messenger or an envoy or one who is sent. That's what the word angel means. And so the person who brought the gospel or the good news about the battle being won was an angel, angelos. So an, an angelos brought the euangelion, which is gospel, it's translated gospel. Now don't quote me on that because my Greek is really bad. So, uh, but anyway, that's close, it's close enough for us, it's close enough for, for real life. And so, um, just as we're talking about that this morning, the whole series, this Christmas series is about the messenger, uh, the angels and the message that they brought. And so, the angels and the gospel, the messenger and the good news um, that came. And, and so, um, this is kind of a, a, a big deal. Because last week, in the first half of the Gospel of Luke, where we were at, a messenger, an angel, brought good news to Zechariah, right? That his long-forgotten prayer to have a son not only was heard, but was now going to be answered. And Elizabeth, his ancient wife, was going to give birth to John the baptizer, and, and he would be the promised prophet who would usher in the time of the Messiah. That's good news that the angel brought. But I want, to, want you to think with me um, uh, through this a, a little bit because um, Zechariah was an old man. And we're not told how old he was, like in the story of Abraham and Sarah. We know that Abraham was 100 when his son Isaac was born and Sarah was uh, in her early 90s. So we're not told the exact age of, of Zechariah and Elizabeth. We know that they were, were old. And so my guesstimate, based on reading and whatever, is that they're probably around uh, 80 to 90, somewhere in there, Zechariah and, uh, and Elizabeth. And so I, I got to thinking ab about, about this 
good news that the angel brought. And, and you know, I, I, I try to kind of insert myself into the Bible stories and like, how would I feel about that? And, and I would just say, um, I'm 50 this year. And so uh, if, if Andrea or an angel came, which they both start with A and Andrea is basically an angel. So any, I really need those bonus points, by the way. Uh, so... So if an angel showed up and, and, and told me, uh, hey, um, your wife is going to be uh, pregnant and you're going to have a, a son, this is not good news <laughs> for me. Okay, I'm like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> you you've, got the, you've got the wrong guy. And so I, I was thinking about like, like, man, Zachariah's in the temple and he's just doing his job and the angel shows up and goes, hey, that long forgotten prayer you had, God's going to answer it and you're going to have a son. And I'm just like, no, no, somebody else got like a young person got, find somebody else because I like, I'm past that. I'm over that. Now's the time when we're supposed to like be able to do whatever we want and just hang out. And like, I only work two weeks a year in the temple. And so this is just, this is not um, good news. <laughs> And then we think about um, Mary, because then that's the next person that the angel shows up to about six months after Zechariah. And you think of, of Mary, that Mary, Mary couldn't have understood the hell that she was going to go through as a pregnant virgin in that day and age. She couldn't have understood that. And, and so, so I gotta, I'm looking at that, and I'm like, would she have considered the message from the angel good news and and i don't know that she would have in fact i'm pretty sure that mm, it wasn't good news to her and, and so I, I think a lot of times we we look at scripture and we read the stories of scripture and we're looking back on these stories and we're seeing them from the perspective of god's incredible salvation and, and we're like, that's amazing. And we can see the, the prophecies of the Old Testament being fulfilled in the stories as the angels come and give these messages and, and, and those receiving those messages. But and we're, we're, we're like, man, that is incredibly good news unless you're the one receiving it. Because it probably wasn't very good news um, at the time. And, and so it just brought me to this thought here, good news can come at, at great cost. Good news can come at, at, at great cost. And maybe, maybe you remember being young um, and finding out that, that you're pregnant. And like, I remember, I remember the first time we, we, were, we were at some friend's house and Andrea whispered it in my ear, I'm pregnant. That was very, that was very good news. That was exciting news at the time. <laughs> But, but then you start thinking about that a little more, and you're like, well, this is really exciting, wonderful, this is good news, uh, but do I make enough money? Is our car big enough? Is our house big enough? <laughs> like, you got all those, and so sometimes good news comes with great cost, and we're excited for it, and we're glad for it, but it's going to cost us. And so as we continue through this series today, I, I just... I wanted us to kind of have a bit of a reality check because we often look back at the stories in the Bible with rose-colored glasses. But the good news that the angel brought to Zechariah and then to Mary 
it came at great personal cost to both of them. And, and while it was good news from the standpoint of salvation and eternity and God's incredible ultimate plan to save the world through Jesus, it was difficult and painful news from Zechariah and Mary's perspective. So just keep that in mind as we dive into the second half of Luke chapter 1 today. And so we're going to start in verse 26. Here's what it says. In the sixth month... The angel Gabriel, now that's the same angel that talked to um, Zechariah, and, and now Elizabeth is in her sixth month. The angel Gabriel was sent, remember the term messenger, angel means an envoy, someone who's sent. So the angel Gabriel comes from God, sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Um, that, that kind of reads like some of the movies that we watch today. Like the object, the important part, isn't given us to the very, very end. Did you notice that Luke is like giving all of these, all of these, like this information, but we're not told who it's about, who the object is, until the very end of the, of the thing. Like, okay, like we got all this stuff, and then now he kind of throws this and oh, and by the way, her name was Mary. Well, there's a couple things that I think we need to know about these verses that aren't really immediately obvious in the text. And, and so, um, you know, one of the things I try to do is go, like, what's behind the text? What's going on in, in the text? Because, again, we tend to just kind of read through it, like, oh, this is a story. But there were real lives here. There were real things going on. This was actually stuff that was happening. And so um, a, a few important pieces of information from these few verses. First of all, in the culture of the day, in the Jewish culture in the first century, it was not uncommon, in fact, it was common practice, for girls to be wed as early as 14, pretty, pretty young. In, in, our, in our estimation, we would, we would not marry our daughters off at, at 14. Um, but, but that was normal for them. In fact, um, we, we understand that because when do Jewish bar mitzvahs happen? When a Jewish boy turns 14. And so that in the culture of the day, that was when you became a, a man. And, and so things were different back then. But as we're talking about um, Mary and what's going on, we need to understand that she was a very young girl in, in our estimation. And Joseph, her husband, pr probably wasn't um, much older. He probably wasn't over the age of 18, um, maybe more like 16 to 18. Um, and Mary could have been right in there uh, as, as well. We would consider them today only teenagers. They would not be able to marry without parent um, consent. And the weird thing to us is that not only did they have the consent of their parents, but their parents actually set it up probably years before this actually happened. So that's an interesting bit of information. We also learn from the angel that, uh, or from Luke, that the angel went to this town called Nazareth. And and, and Nazareth is important because um, I don't even know what a modern-day uh, equivalent of Nazareth would be. N Nazareth was like this backwoods, backwater, hick, redneck, uh, white trash neighborhood. That, 
That's kind of what Nazareth was. In, in fact, the saying of the day was, can anything good come from Nazareth? And that was a rhetorical question because the answer was no. If you were a Jew from Jerusalem, um, you wanted nothing to do with people from the area of Galilee around the northwest uh, side of the Sea of Galilee. You wanted nothing to do with them. That They were not people that you associated with. They were lower class Jewish people. They were separated. Uh, Samaria was in between Jerusalem or, or Judea and Galilee. And so you had to travel through unclean territory to get to God. Like it was just all of these things. Nobody who was a proper Jew in Judea appreciated, cared about, talked to the Jews from Galilee and specifically from Nazareth. We're also told that the angel goes to a virgin. And, and, and that's important, I think, because it helps us understand who, who she was. This was a young girl. And a, a young girl who was still under the control or um, the oversight, maybe that's a better word, of her father and her father's household. So a young Jewish girl, when she was in her father's household, she was not able to make any decisions uh, on her own. In fact, even if she made a vow to God, the father could step in and go, uh, no, I don't think that vow should stand, and he could nullify that, that vow. And, and when Mary then was, was married off, once Joseph finished the, the bridal suite in his parents' home and, and he moved Mary in there, um, then those decisions and things that she might try to make, uh, her husband would have to sign off on. So Luke is telling us that this was a virgin, not, not just because he was setting the stage for the prophecy, but also because he wanted us to understand the role that she played in society at the time. And, and, and basically, the way we would say this, 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 this was nobody from nowhere. That, that's Mary, really, in, in the scenario that Luke is laying out. Nobody would have cared about Mary. Nobody would have looked at her twice. She, she, didn't, she didn't have control over anything in, in her life. She, like, she was just this person that nobody really cared about. And she was from a town that nobody really knew or cared about. And then we're told that she's pledged to this guy named Joseph. And we're told that Joseph is from the line of David, but again, nobody cared about that. The, the ancient kingly line of David had been long since broken. In fact, the, the people have probably been not a good thing to be in the line of David after all that David's ancestors and great, 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 great grandchildren did to the nation and to Judah. Like you would not have wanted to be associated with him probably. I, and, and I was thinking about Joseph's kind of like, um, you, you probably have no idea who this person is, but it's kind of like being Robert Todd Beckwith. Did anybody know who that is? Yeah, I didn't think so. The last living Lincoln. His name is Robert Todd Lincoln Beckwith. And nobody knew about him, really. That's kind of how uh, Joseph was. So we have um, this nobody girl that nobody cares about from a town that nobody likes and she's marrying this guy that has that has no claim to fame whatsoever he's just li living his life and finally at the end 
of the verse, Luke says, oh, by the way, this girl's name is, is Mary. And, and so then, then he goes on with his, with his message. And so he came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And I don't know about you, but I find that greeting really, really odd. That the angel, given all that we know about, about Mary in the verses previous to this, the angel comes to her and says, you are highly favored. If you have the NIV version of the Bible, it, it says uh, that the angel said, greetings, you who are highly favored. And, and I go, um, why? Like, that doesn't seem right at, at, at all. Like, like, it's natural for us to assume that Mary was favored by God because of who she was or because of what she had done. But we already know, Luke already laid it out, that, 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 that she's a nobody. She's not accomplished anything in her life uh, of significance. Um, she just, she's just there. She's just this young girl, and, and nothing is special about her. Luke goes to great lengths to let us know that, that, that she, there's nothing special about this young girl. At least nothing that we could maybe point to. Because most of us would look at that and we'd go, okay, if I'm highly favored by God, then I, I must be living a pretty great life, right? Like I've probably got all of the things that I want. I've got a nice house and cars and money in the bank and I'm not worried about anything and I'm stable and life is good. Like, that, like that's typically who we look at and we go, oh, that person is, is highly favored by God because look at all the blessings that they get. And yet in Mary's situation, circumstance, there's, there's nothing that we can point to in her life and, and go, oh yeah, it's obvious that you are highly favored by God. And, and so for 50 years, I've thought, this is odd. Like, I don't get it. It's, it's Bible and I understand, it. okay, there's a reason for it, but I just don't get it. Why is she highly favored? She hadn't done anything worthy of favor to that point. She, she wasn't special based on her, based on the things she's done or, or her DNA. Like, I don't get it. And, and most of us would not want to trade places with Mary. So, so we wouldn't be like, ooh, she's in this highly favored place by God. And oh, I'd like to be in that place as, as well. And, and like, think about it. Like, oh, yeah, okay. So, so some people pray to Mary in order to get to Jesus. But other than that, her life was, was pretty rough. And, and um, I don't, again, I don't think the news that the angel brought that night was particularly great for her. And so again, I'm just like, I don't, I don't get why she is highly favored. But, but something hit me this week as I read this, and I, and I think I've got a, a better grasp on why it says what it says, why Luke says what he says. I, I think Mary was not called favored because of anything she had done. I think the angel called her favor because he was amazed that God had chosen her. So we're told in other places in the scripture that angels, um, they're, they're powerful and they're smart, but they are not all-knowing, okay? They, they're, they're not, they can't be in two places at the same time. 
Um, they're strong, but they're not all powerful like God. They know things, but they're not all knowing like God. So angels are limited to time and space. In fact, the Bible even says in one place that you and I see things that angels miss. We understand things because of the Holy Spirit and because of, of the word of God that we have that, that angels don't understand. In fact, it says angels long to look into the things that we have been made aware of. And so God says, uh, Gabriel, I want you to go down to this person and I want you to deliver this message. And I think when he got there and he saw her, he was amazed. I don't think that's who he expected. The, the last message he brought, he brought it to uh, the temple in Jerusalem. And the temple in Jerusalem was a, was a beautiful structure. And, and, and he goes to present this message to Zechariah, who is a priest. And because he's serving in the temple, he has all of the fancy robes on and all the paraphernalia that went along with being a priest in the temple, serving in that way. And there was a lot of pomp and circumstance and what went on in the temple that day. And, and, and Zechariah was there, and he, or Gabriel was there, and he was like, yeah, this, this is what I expected. But now God has sent him to this backwater town of Nazareth where most of the people were fishermen and nobody cared about them. And the individual that he goes to talk to is a young girl who hadn't ever done anything in her life that was worth any note. And, and I, think, I think when he talks to her, he's like, like maybe we could say it like, like this. Gabriel shows up and he sees Mary and, and, and this is his response. Wow. God must think you're something special. Greetings. You, you must be highly favored by God because you are not what I expected. But God must see something in you that the rest of us don't see in, in you. And that really sets the stage um, for our bottom line today and is this. God doesn't choose people based on their level of talent, but on their level of trust. And, and I'm glad for that. Or maybe you are too. That God doesn't look at us to go, oh, I'm going to use you because you are so great and wonderful and you do everything good. Because I'm disqualified from that. God chooses us not based on our level of talent, how good we do things, how many accolades we have, how great we are at following all the rules. He chooses us because we're people who trust him. And, and that trust may be just a little bit of trust. There may be a lot of trust, but that's what he's looking for. It's not talent. It's not you don't have to be great at everything. He's just looking for people who simply trust him. Now, think about Mary again. Mary and her family had never been mentioned before in Scripture. We don't, we don't know anything about her. And oftentimes, people in the Bible that God does incredible things through when, when we hear their name, that's the first time anybody had ever heard of them. Nothing about them before. And that's the same with, with Mary's family. They've not been mentioned before. Nobody would have picked Mary. Nobody else would have looked at her and go, going, oh, man, this, this young girl, she should be the, the mother of the Savior. She, she had accomplished nothing great for God as far as anybody on the outside could tell. But God is never looking for super Christians. He's just looking for simple Christians. He's looking for people who just like trying every day to look a little bit more like Jesus. 
And, and so we'll see this play, on, uh, play out as we go, go on a little bit. But before we hit the next verse, I, I want to I look at the, uh, it's not up there anymore, but I want to look at the last part of the last verse we looked at, where the angel says, um, you are highly favored, and then he gives this little thing. He says, the Lord is with you. And I'm like, man, that's, like, that's some reassurance there. And, and when we, you've probably heard that before. Somebody's like, oh, you know, just don't forget, God is with you or whatever. But, but remember that um, she's standing in front of this angel. And every time an angel shows up, everybody that they're talking to is terrified. So this is probably this giant, hulking, glowing man. Um, and maybe there are wings, maybe they're not. We don't know. Sometimes there are, sometimes there aren't. Like, but this was an imposing figure in front of Mary, and he says to her, the Lord is with you. And of everything else that's said to Mary that day, I'm like, man, she probably held on to that. So the angel is shocked to find that God had sent him to this young nobody girl in the middle of nowhere, and, and so that's his greeting. God must think you're something special. And by the way, he's with you, and he's been with you. And then Luke tells us that Mary was confused at what the angel had to say. In the next verse, it says that she was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And that fits, right? If the angel shows up to her and he's surprised to find this this young, simple girl there, and he goes, wow, God must think you're something special, like the Lord is with you. Ooh, what are you mean? What are you saying? And I think Mary was completely confused at what was going on. And like, how am I favored? My, my, my family is poor. Um, I'm, I live in Nazareth. Like, I do, there's nothing going on for me. How am I favored? And what do you mean the Lord is with me? I, I don't have all of the things that I would expect somebody to have. And, and so then I think the angel in, there's like, oh man, I better, I better get to the message that God actually sent me to give because I'm not getting anywhere with her um, right now. So we see that in the next few verses. The angel says to her, do not be afraid. We saw that with Zechariah last week, right? So what he says is literally, he says, stop being afraid. You have found favor with God. There's that word again. Anytime you see words repeated, you should probably pay attention to them. And behold, because of this favor that you found with God, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua, which, which means um, God saves or salvation. And, and he will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will Give to him the throne of his father, David. That's important because that's kingly line stuff. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So the angel switches gears here. <laughs> so he, he shows up and he's like, wow, I didn't expect this. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And then like like 180 degrees. Stop being afraid. Listen, Mary, you found favor with God. 
Now, the first time that the angel uses the word favor, it has to do with Mary receiving a blessing. If you look at the word that is used in there, the Greek word, it, it means receiving a, a blessing, um, a grace, this idea that you're highly favored. And so what he's saying is you're highly favored, which means God is acting toward you in a, in a favorable way. But this time, in this verse, the word that is used, found favor, it indicates that Mary had actually been seeking God's favor, and now she found it. That's a really interesting twist, I think. So the first one is God acting on her in favor, and the second time when it says she found favor, it means that she was seeking the favor of God, and now she'd received that. I think that's a really cool little twist. So Mary was chosen by God, not because of what she had done, and, and, and because she hadn't done anything in her life really at that point, and not because of her DNA, like being in the line of, of David. She wasn't chosen simply because she was from David's line. Because, like, honestly, David had a lot of wives, a lot of children. There probably was a hundred girls just like her at that time. Mary was chosen because of her devotion. If you are waiting for God to use you in your life in some amazing way, he's not interested in what you've done, and he's not interested in your DNA, your family line, like you're not going to get to heaven and, and go, hey, God, you have to let me in because this is my last name. God doesn't care about that. He cares about your devotion. Are you devoted to, to God? Go back and look at the stories of Noah and Abraham, Joshua, Moses, the Apostle Paul. Each of them was favored by God because they were chosen by God to do something incredible. They were chosen because they were favored. So God chooses those who are willing or those he knows will do what he asks of them in faith. In fact, there's a whole lot in the New Testament about Abraham and why he was favored by God, why he was called righteous by God. It's because he trusted what God said and he moved in faith about that. God chooses those who are willing, who he knows will do what he asks. And, and it's Mary's faith in God that I think is the amazing thing about her. She, she doesn't ask with skepticism like Zechariah did, uh, how can you do this? I'm really young. How in the world can this happen? It, she asks with certainty, but with a level of caution. She says, how will I become pregnant because I'm a virgin? Like she didn't understand how this was supposed to happen. This incredible message from the angels, big imposing guy, and he's standing there and he's like, hey, this is what's going to happen. And she's like, how will that happen? Mary doesn't ask, how can you? She asks, how will you? And that's a completely different question. And so the angel goes on to explain. He says it's the power of the Holy Spirit and the Most High so that the child will not be called the son of Joseph, but the son of the most high. And then the angel gives her confirmation that she doesn't ask for because I think he recognized that she responded so much better than Zechariah. Look what the angel says. 
Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, as Zachariah's wife. And it's the sixth month with her. So she, so she who was called uh, barren, sixth month pregnant. For nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The apostle Peter wrote uh, to the church. And And he said this, You, you, us, we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And so if you're a follower of Jesus today, if, if you're a, a disciple, then you are favored because God chose you. You're here because God chose you. You're here because you responded to something an invite from somebody else or just the movement of God in in, in your life, but you're here, and so God chose you. But you can also find favor with God by following in the footsteps of Jesus, trying to look more like Jesus every day. So you're favored simply because you're here, because God chose you because you're listening, you're engaged, you're, you're trying to learn, but you can also find favor with God by following Jesus. And this is what we continue to see in the life of Mary. At nearly every step and stage of the story of Mary along with Jesus, she is shown to be thoughtful and careful and intentional about her faith and her son. Mary was not passive about her faith. She was purposed. Mary didn't just live her life as a 14-year-old Jewish girl and just go, ah, this is just life. I'm just going to go and do whatever. She sought the favor of God. She was engaged in, in things. She was active in her faith. It wasn't just a part of her life. She didn't just show up on Sunday morning. She was present every day in this relationship. She sought the favor of God every day. She didn't just expect it because she was from the line of David. And she didn't ignore it like it wasn't any big deal. She was faithful and intentional and trustworthy in her life. And so if you want to find favor with God, you've got to be constantly finding God in your daily life through prayer, through reading the Bible, through serving others, engaging when God opens a door and being willing to to step through that door uh, however he opens it. You have been chosen. You have been chosen by God in Jesus, not because of the great things that you've done, not because of your DNA, but because of your devotion to God, your willingness to be used by God for his good purpose, your willingness to just show up and encourage each other by your presence alone. Mary understood that this plan that the angel had revealed to her was going to be painful, but she also understood that there was a much greater purpose beyond just herself, and she was willing to do what the angel had said because she understood that God 
was with her. And I wonder today if maybe you're feeling a little bit like Mary. Maybe there's nothing special about me. Nobody cares about me. I'm from nowhere. I haven't accomplished anything amazing in my life. I just am here and kind of going through the motions. I, I think the message to Mary is the message to you today. If you're broke and you're worried about Christmas coming up in a couple weeks, the Lord is with you. If your marriage is falling apart and you don't know what to do about it, the Lord is with you. If you're sick and you're unable to, to work or to care for yourself, the Lord is with you. If you're addicted to pain meds or, or porn, the Lord is with you. If today you are here but you feel alone and abandoned in your life, the Lord is with you. If you're a single mom or a widow and you're just trying to, to make it through, the Lord is with you. If you're here today, but you, like you know, oh, I screwed up again, the Lord is with you. If today you just don't have the will to go on, the Lord is with you. You are the Lord's servant. You are chosen and you are favored. And the Lord is always with you. Jesus said it like this, I will never leave you or forsake you. And, and so do you have the faith to believe that today? That no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what God asks you to do or no matter the, the, the terrible things you've been going through, that the Lord is with me. Follow Jesus. Look more like him every day. That's the devotion that Mary had. That's what God is looking for. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for this time, and thank you for this message to Mary. There are a lot of us who maybe feel the same way. We just don't have a lot to give, that there's nothing special about us, and yet your word is true. Your promises are kept that you are with us. And so whatever is going on, God, help us to hold on to that. And in the midst of everything else, maybe we feel like our lives are falling apart. We can, we can go, but the Lord is with me, and, and that will never leave. We can have the faith to face every day because you are with us. Because we are favored, because you have chosen us. And God, help us to find favor in you by being devoted to the things that you've called us to. So help us to be in your word, to pray, to serve, to love like you did this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, next week we're going to see what happens when the angel appears to Joseph in a vision and has a conversation with him. And, uh, and so we're going to be looking at that.
Thanks for tuning in to Real Life Live. Our hope and prayer is that the time you've spent with us has left you encouraged and challenged in your faith. It may have also left you with some questions or maybe wondering how all this faith stuff works. So we want to help you with that. Head over to reallifecc.us for a few different ways we can connect. We're thankful you joined us today and want to extend an invitation for you to join us in person at our current home in El Dorado, Kansas at the Civic Center, 201 East Central on Sundays at 10 a.m. We hope you'll keep tuning in and growing in your faith to look more like Jesus every day. See you next time.